Hello, everybody. This is episode 30, Extended. And this week on the main episode, we talked to Tim Hendricks about tattoo schools and apprenticeships and his opinions on why we shouldn't just quite yet count out the more traditional ways of learning the tattoo. At the end of that episode, I shared a small clip of a conversation I had with tattooer Olivia Britz Wheat, who is from Portland, Oregon. Not only is she a tattooer, but she is part of an organization called Reform Oregon Tattooing that is more or less a resource, an advocacy group. Uh, They're just trying to help people navigate through the system that Oregon has set up for tattooers. There, the state mandates that all people learning the tattoo attend tattoo schools. I've never heard of this anywhere else in the entire world. If you're listening and you know something I don't, feel free to correct me. But... It's a pretty crazy system to me because it just feels so different than my own experience. So I'll play for you now the full conversation I had with Olivia, and you can learn a bit more about this crazy world of tattooing in Oregon, which isn't so crazy if you live there, I'm sure. And then after that, I'm going to share with you an email that I just got this week that is very timely to this discussion. So here is myself and Olivia. Okay. Hello, Olivia. Hi. Thanks for How having are you? me. I'm yeah, great. Of course. Doing great. So what is the organization that you're a part of? Um, so we're called Reform Organ Tattooing. Um, we like to call ourselves ROT for short. It's a lot easier to say. And mm. um, we're a group of working licensed tattooers in the state of Oregon who attend board meetings. We are um, essentially just trying to advocate for better legislation, um, more transparency with the state, um, a liaison between the state and the working tattooers of Oregon. Yeah. So I've been talking a lot this episode about more more or less speculation. What is it going to look like as the way that we learn and the way that people are starting tattooing? What does that look like as it evolves? And there are more structured educational systems. And um, I think Oregon is a very unique example of something that's actually probably progressed further than almost anywhere else that I've heard of. Um, so, so let's talk about what, what learning to tattoo in Oregon looks like right now. Um, so Oregon has actually had licensing for tattooing since the early nineties. So it's been in practice here for a very long time and it's actually written into state law that any, um, any license that requires or any trade that requires a license, excuse me, um, kind of actually has to, you have to obtain that license through a career school. So that's written into the Oregon law and it's been that way for a long time. So once they actually started licensing tattooers, there was a trainer's license at first that kind of held the place of a apprenticeship, but there was no curriculum. And then after a little while, they kind of just realized that they had to incorporate some sort of a school if they were to treat it like every other licensed occupation. Not that long ago, I would say like maybe eight to 10 years ago, it actually went from just the health department to now it's involved with the higher education commission. So here in Oregon, it's wrapped up in a lot of bureaucracy and it's in lots of different departments as well. And so coming in now as a group and trying to kind of sift through all of the years of misinformation and um, kind of trying to get to the bottom of how things function, how things work um, has been 
kind of difficult. <laughs> We've been doing it yeah, for about a year um, and attending board meetings and holding quarterly meetings with tattooers and um we've learned so much that it's uh it's a very um you know it's a very intense system to navigate most tattooers aren't very bureaucratic by nature so it's definitely new for all of us yeah so what was it that that really inspired you to to get working on this stuff and to and to be working more closely with everything um so i had an apprentice for three years and um when I was working at um, Blacklist Tattoo, Linus O'Malley and I each had an apprentice and we didn't want to send our apprentices to tattoo school. We wanted to have control over their education and what we wanted to teach them. We wanted to give them a traditional apprenticeship. And so we elected to start the paperwork to license the shop as a tattoo school. And it took three years of me doing paperwork with my friend Tama, who's also in the organization. It was, um, you know, she helped me for, yeah, it was about three years almost um, until they got licensed. And um, just going back and forth between the two departments, it would be, you know, six months of talking to one person and then they would realize, oh, you should have been talking to this person. And so it was just a lot of lost time, a lot of money also. And, um, at the end of it, um, I knew too much not to do something about it. Um, just trying to navigate that process. I mean, if it just felt like um, if tattooers can't navigate the system, we can't even teach people the way that we want to teach them. We have to basically buy into the system and start the school. And, and they want us to have multiple people. They want it to go forever. It's... It's a very um, legally binding operation also, and um, just incredibly time-consuming. So if you were to send your apprentice to these tat to one of these tattoo schools, what does that look like? How are those set up? How long does it take? My apprentice and I, once we got like almost to the point of being licensed after three years, um, we departed from Blacklist, and basically I had to send my apprentice to a tattoo school anyway to finish up his tattoos. And so... Um, and he had a shortened kind of expedited experience because he had already done three years under me, but um, still had to be there, still do his 50 procedures. Um, and so I got a sort of a glimpse as to what it's like. And it really varies because a lot of places um, will only take one student at a time, but that's only one student tattooing at a time. They might have multiple students in the building just doing different steps until one of them can start there. Uh, 50 procedures as you know what's legally required by the state so procedures that's like 50 tattoos exactly yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah do you see any benefits to the way things are are set up because obviously there's things that you guys are working to reform and to and to fine-tune but are, are there any benefits it's difficult to say because um you know doing all that work to try to have control and then to kind of relinquish that control um and to try to quantify all of that into a structured learning experience is really hard. It's, it's difficult to try to build a curriculum around something that so many of us have only lived in real life experience working in tattoo shops and 
dealing with the public and um, working with tattooers who have been around longer than us and learning from them. And so, um, you know, when we went through and, and uh, Linus and I kind of went through the curriculum that was required by the state and we, for our school that we were building, doubled the hourly requirement, which is only 360 hours for the state of Oregon. And so we doubled it. We added sections. We, we thought it was very insufficient. And so, um, you know, to know that most schools are operating at that 360 hour uh, mark is kind of like any person that is interested in going to a tattoo school, I would say, absolutely, you have to do your own research. You have to make sure you're a proficient artist before you step foot in there because there's only 10 hours required by the state for art and design specifically. There's only 10 hours required for, um, I, I feel like most sections are about 10 hours. So it really is you get what you put in and you get what you make out of it. And it's a means to an end where I know a lot of really successful tattooers that live in Oregon who they went to tattoo school, but they really hustled and they really made it work for them. They got a mentor who could help them after the fact or before just to kind of make sure they didn't pick up any bad habits. Um, yeah, they really did their due diligence. So it's not, it's not the all encompassing school experience. A lot of people think it's going to be, and it's not getting a license doesn't mean you're going to have a career. And is it presented to these kids? Because like, I, I just picture a lot of younger people who see this as an opportunity to start tattooing. And do you think that a lot of them are under the impression that they're getting the full experience and they're going to get the full range of um, you know, knowledge and everything, all the tools that they need to really start tattooing once they leave the tattoo school? I think that's probably the perception. I think that a lot of people do think that they're going to learn how to draw, they're going to learn how to tattoo and in my personal experience, I think 50 tattoos is just barely scratching the surface. You're just finally learning how to deal with different types of skin and different parts of the body. And um, to, to think that after 50 tattoos and passing a test that you're essentially able to go out and work on the public. You can open up your own private studio and never work in an actual shop. You know, I think that's kind of up for debate whether that's adequate. Yeah, and it's interesting to see the the different types of tattooers that are coming out of, of that system. Mm -hmm. um, I know that previously I talked to Winston the Whale, who is a Portland tattooer. Mm -hmm. And he went through the system, and he's found pretty great success and seems to be doing well. But it, I would say that he's got to be in the minority as far as people who are able to connect the dots, you know, to that degree that, that he's been able to do um, coming from that experience. Yeah. And, and, and also, as as you're explaining that, people who go through the system have to do their due diligence and everything. I think that's probably always the case in an apprenticeship because most apprenticeships, you really got to push for it. And, um, cause I don't know, I don't think most tattooers are necessarily equipped to be teachers. Certainly there are many, but I would say a lot of people that have apprentices probably aren't great teachers either. Yeah. It's very difficult to try to explain something that you do as second nature and you don't really, know why you're doing it because you've just been taught to do it. So having right. to sit down and microanalyze every action that you do, break it down into these different steps, and then pass it on to somebody in a way that they can understand it, even though they've never done it before, is incredibly difficult. Right. It's like a fool's errand almost. Why does <laughs> anyone want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it, 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 I know you've asked the question before, you know, like, 
who is it that would teach if if it is if this becomes a, a larger phenomenon where um, either more states require tattoo schools or more tattoo schools open up? It's like, well, the people who should be teaching are the people who are working who don't want to teach, and um, you know that's not always the case. But I do think, by and large, you know, with a lot of tattooers that you know we would like to learn from, they're too busy tattooing and. The amount of money it would cost to pay them for their time, you know, is that something anyone could afford? Right. That's a good point. And I feel like I'm, lately I've been asking the question a lot about what what would it look like if it were to work? Or I, I feel like I'm almost pushing for these tattoo schools, and I'm really not. Um, I feel like more I'm more pushing to challenge people's ideas and, and what they think about it. Because... It's, you know, it's happening and it's going to happen more and more. And I feel like we have to consider it and realize that it's a realistic thing that that's going to be everywhere. Right. And people are going to be learning to tattoo in very different ways, you know, in our lifetime. Very soon in the next five years, it's going to look different than it does today. Yeah. And Oregon even um, there's a possibility because they establish reciprocity through different states in order to transfer your license. And right now there's only nine states where a license is easily transferred to Oregon so I wouldn't be surprised if they're shopping around their program to other states to establish more reciprocity around the country. Mm. So this is something, it's almost a cautionary tale where if tattooers want to be ahead of this, if your state starts talking about this, you need to start showing up to board meetings before it happens so that you have a say. Because what happened was, you know, it probably was 15 or 20 years here as a gap before people started showing up to board meetings again. And in that time, the state sort of turns into this boogeyman where nobody really knows what's going on. Everybody likes to kind of complain about it and everybody likes to kind of perpetuate these scary stories about getting audited or um, possibly more requirements than are needed to keep your license or whatever it is. And um, you know, really, it just comes down to transparency, being there, holding them accountable and getting your voice heard because someone's voice is going to get heard. And if tattooers aren't there to advocate for themselves, someone else is going to do it for them. Right. And that's the huge problem that I mm -hmm. can see happening if, if uh, people aren't getting involved. Yeah. So what have you learned or what have you seen in going to these meetings? Like, where is everything at right now? Um, everything, it's an interesting point we're at now because there were a lot of goals that we had when we started. Like we wanted to um, kind of address the issue of tattoo schools and possibly create an alternative pathway rather than just that school uh, or reciprocity. Those are the two ways you can get licensed in Oregon. And so, you know, we were thinking, well, maybe we can create a provisional license so that, you know, when somebody's out of the school, then they have to do one more step to get their, like, actual license to work on the public um, or maybe we could do a one-on-one -on -one license where a person who's been tattooing X amount of time can have one apprentice if they follow a curriculum. Um, but after going to a year's worth of board meetings, the state doesn't have the resources to build more, to expand more. Um, they, they've heard our testimony and they've worked with us and they're actually really cooperative and they don't want to bum anyone out. But if there's no one there to voice their opinion, they have an agenda. They got to make these laws and they have a schedule to keep. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny when we showed up when we did was like right after they had rolled out this new test. And if we had showed up, 
you know, a few months earlier, maybe we could have had some input in that. But um, now they're kind of having some issues with that test. There was a source on the test called the Ultimate Tattoo Bible, which, you know, sounds as questionable as it is. And they ended up taking it off completely because it's not a reliable resource. There's a lot of questionable information in there. Um, and then a lot of people weren't getting their copies of this book that was required by the state as a resource for the test. And so, you know, it's like a $300 textbook or something. And that's kind of classist. That's a very hefty fee to pay for a book for just a few questions on a test. Um, but, you know, a lot of people I talked to didn't even receive their copy and the state didn't even get a copy, but they're using it for a resource. So, um, recently it was just taken off the test. So that's something that's, that's been great, um, about attending these meetings and voicing our concerns. There were a few other people who wrote to them and complained and, and through people actually, you know, voicing their opinions, we were able to get that, that one resource taken off the test and, we still have to replace it with something, but for right now, they just kind of omitted those questions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have been able to have some kind of small victories over time. Uh, we have gotten guest artists to be able to file online with the state, which is great. You don't have to send a letter and a check in the mail anymore. Um, we got continuing education that's required by the state actually opened up so that tattooers can teach tattooers and we can hold our own seminars. Um, that's been really great because we're required by the state to have 10 hours every year when we renew our license and five of those can be self-study, but five of them have to be like a state sanctioned continuing education certification or a certified program. And they're not, they weren't very accessible. They didn't happen very often. If you missed a seminar, that may be the only one for the year that you missed. And then you kind of had to just lie on your application because there wasn't anything you could do that would count. Um, and so now we've been able to open that up. Um, Reform Oregon Tattooing has been holding seminars and um, the tattooers that I work with are amazing. I've got a lot of support from, um, well, Jesse Preston, who owns Lombard Tattoo and, or Lombard Street Tattoo, sorry. <laughs> and um, Tama Muller from Anatomy Tattoo um, have been amazing. They're like my we're like the three amigos and they have been so incredibly helpful and I've gotten a ton of support from Brian Wilson at scapegoat tattoo where I work. Uh, we hold a lot of seminars. We hold a lot of meetings there. Um, Dan Gilstore from Atlas tattoo. We've hold, held a meeting there. He's been incredibly supportive and um, just being able to kind of rally the community to get their opinions as well. It's, it's not just, um, it's not just, my organization, it's everybody's, it's for all of us. And so being able to kind of ask tattooers, what do you want? What do you want to learn? Um, has been great. We don't all have to sign up for the same intellectual property seminar every single year just to get our continuing education credits. So, yeah. um, that's we great. Also... It sounds like a lot of really practical, uh, progression happening and it's stuff that without someone like you or, or, or tattooers that are really participating in tattooing day to day, um, that sort of stuff would never come about. Yeah, I feel like we're sort of an underserved community in certain ways where um, we don't really get, we have to seek out our own, you know, financial literacy, um, things like that. And being able to hold a tax prep seminar for people is something that, you know, I didn't really realize how many people needed that. 
and, um, you know, just getting feedback from tattooers. You know, a lot of people want digital training in iPad programs or, um, you know, when you just look around the shop and you're like, how many people complain about pain? Maybe we can have, you know, some bodywork people come in and help us with that. So I think there's a lot of possibilities once you start listening to each other and, and really kind of figuring out it's not all about Instagram marketing. You know, we can, we can do other things with our time and teach each other other things that are valuable in our day-to-day life. Yeah, that's cool. And, and to me, that sounds like a really great, I mean, just overall having those sorts of classes and different stuff available that I've never heard of and uh, happening anywhere else. If that was just built into what you had to do year yearly or whatever, you know, when you have to re-up your license, um, that sounds super useful. And, um, and I think it's easy for people to fear structure in tattooing and, and structure and, and, um, you know, working closer with the state or with whatever the, the governmental bodies that's making the decisions. But, um, yeah, like you're saying, if, if we're able to get our voices heard, then it can really turn into something that is actually a huge positive. Yeah. I think, uh, another big benefit is just meeting so many tattooers. Um, and I think putting, you know, a face to the name is, is great. And, um, you know, being able to meet so many people through this organization has been super helpful and feeling like there's more of a community because you get to see each other's faces a little bit more. Um, so it is an interesting thing because, you know, the first few meetings we had, a lot of people just liked the idea of getting rid of tattoo schools, but they're here. The cat's out of the bag. It's not going back in. Um, it's a part of our legal structure. And so we are that little microcosm of this is what it looks like this is when it's established and it's law and there's no going back so how do we make it work for us so there is a big thing um which is interesting about going to the board meetings um before they get into the nitty-gritty they do all the stats and the tattoo industry in oregon is growing every single year i think they issued uh 500 new licenses in the last two years and so a big thing is sustainability in this trade and portland's a very tattoo friendly city uh the rest of oregon is pretty rural so a lot of it happens here in the city but um you know we have 200 shops at least in portland and you know there's going to be a time when the sustainability is put to the test and and i feel like we're starting to kind of hit that um, conversation where people are talking about it more. And I know it's happening all over the country too, because I know that this isn't just, the oversaturation isn't just a Portland thing or an Oregon thing. I think um, having everything be so accessible, you know, it's it's happening everywhere. There's more tattooers on planet Earth than there's ever been, as far as we know. But <laughs> Right, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think... Um, just holding the tattoo schools accountable, trying to figure out if there's a way, you know, if we do hear stories of, of places that aren't running right or people aren't being supervised or the conditions are bad or people are just not getting what was promised to them, um, it's a very long internal grievance policy and complaint policy. And so therefore not a lot of people come forward. So there's not a lot of complaints and so therefore the state doesn't really think there's problems. So um, we're not really sure 
how exactly to go forward on the, the tattoo school front, because now we have to show up to a whole different set of board meetings. We've been to the OHLA. We know them very well at this point. Now we have to go to the Higher Education Commission because we would really like to lobby for tattooers, the instructors in a tattoo school to have more experience because everybody's lumped in under the education umbrella. And so that means that you can be an instructor with only two years experience, but that experience, that two years also includes your apprenticeship. So we want to make sure that we try to raise that cap significantly. Um, and we want to shoot for maybe 10 years and then see if we can negotiate from there. Uh, but that's not something we can do through the health department. So we have to deal with a whole other branch of bureaucratic entities and meetings. So we do have a lot of work ahead of us still. Yeah, there's a lot of layers, sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And it, and it seems like down the line, maybe the next huge discussion will be a standardized way to teach the teachers. Yeah, that could be uh, something in the future as well. Um, my own experience having a an apprentice, um, you know, was, was interesting. It was, I didn't get a ton of support for the community because of the feeling that there are already too many tattooers. So even though I wanted to take, you know, three, I told him it was going to be at least two, ended up being three years with somebody. Um, you know, it still didn't feel like it was enough. It still like felt like just the fact that I wanted to help somebody who was already, who's going to tattoo no matter what, you know, that was you know, that was what he wanted to do. That was his plan. And, um, you know, with somebody I knew well enough to know that he's going to do fine. So I might as well help him. Um, it was an interesting kind of experience to see how I was treated by other tattooers and, you know, the, just the, the psychic weight of having somebody that you're accountable for is, uh, it's a hard job. And so, you know, signing up to be a teacher is no small feat. And I know that this is just one trade and, you know, it, in one state, but, um, yeah, I mean, if, if it's going to be state mandated and there's going to be more people required to teach, it's like, I, it's exhausting. I don't know who wants to do that. It does. You do have to be compensated because it's a lot of work. Um, but yeah, I did, I did, I did feel like the, the feedback from tattooers was interesting. It was not something I really even wanted to make public. It was, you know, the people who knew me and the people in Portland, of course, knew, you know, what was going on, but, um, I didn't really post anything about it until he was licensed because it had been a, a long journey and I felt confident in my abilities, but you know, that is, it's just a constant debate. And even when I was learning how to tattoo, I got tattooed by Calamity Jane, um, after I had become a tattooer and, you know, even she was saying when she started that, you know, they said there were too many tattooers and it was incredibly difficult for women to start tattooing in her era. And, um, you know, talking to her about it was just so grateful that there were people before me that had done it, um, so that it was easier for me when I came around. Yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, but uh, Miss Mickey, who I worked for at Fortune Tattoo for many years, she was apprenticed by Don Deaton. She's the one who told me to go to Don and ask him about all of this stuff. Um, she was incredibly supportive of me, which was amazing because I do uh, respect her a lot. And so her support meant a lot. Yeah. And you need that support, especially when you feel 
you know, like a lack of support, I guess, just overall when you're when you're taking on this stuff. And, and there definitely is like a weird stigma to teaching people how to tattoo. And I think that that's all wrapped mm-hmm. up in this whole topic is the way that it makes us feel to even think about it. Right. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's interesting to think like, you know, who is worthy? Is it, you know, does it come down to the school to, you know, hand pick the people or is it more up to the student? You know, whose fault is it when that student doesn't succeed in any higher learning? Is it the school's fault for taking somebody on that they knew wasn't going to make it? Or is it the student's fault for doing something maybe that they're not cut out for? What do you think? I think it's the student always. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I anyone if you yeah. go to college for anything and you <laughs> fail, you're not like, man, Harvard sucks, I guess, because this kid's a loser. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's accountability to be had on the student's part, but I also think there's... I mean, in this case, you know, this is like developing schools and systems and stuff, so I think there is more um, more responsibility that we can put on the school, too, because they're not fine-tuned like a long-standing university might be more so. Right, and when you're an individual and you have the opportunity to you know, be responsible for one person and be the teacher, not teach a whole bunch of people... Um, I almost feel like that weight is, is more because it's so focused and, um, you know, it was a, it was a long three years. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Hello, Nick. <laughs> Don't forget about me. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely, you know, I, I commend anybody that wants to take it on, but I also, knowing how much work it is, it's, um, you know, we already have a teacher shortage. It's, you know, if we state mandate tattooing in every state, it's it's a weird rabbit hole to think about. Yeah. Someone recently sent me a message and pointed out um, an Italian tattooer, Alex de Passe, who I wasn't mm-hmm. super familiar with. But once I looked him up, he's like rock star status tattoo guy from mm-hmm. Italy. Uh, he does real fancy tattoos. And he has developed through what seems to be a, like an arts college a tattooing program, just full on, mm-hmm. you know, 360 degrees of tattoo learning. And it's been going on for a number of years, as far as I can tell. And um, I saw some pictures online of just classrooms full of kids that are like learning tattooing. And they wow. have guest artists going in there. And um, it showed some of the work of the students. And after the, you know, various amounts of times that they've been working, and maybe those were the the top of the class, but I can't say that the work looked bad. It looked really great. And I think about the tattoos I was doing after that much time, and they didn't <laughs> look like that, not even close. And so yeah. that it really it makes you think. It, if you do it right, mm-hmm. it could really be done. Yeah, and I think really the question comes back to intention. Are these tattoo schools operating because it's profitable? Because it's expensive. Right. Or are they operating because they genuinely want to be stewards of the tattoo community and and put out people who are going to tattoo anyway, but, you know, maybe they want to give them more proper guidance. It's, it kind of, it depends. You can't really tell somebody's intentions a lot of times. I mean, there are a few places in town that, you know, have kind of been notorious for taking lots and lots of people kind of just regardless of their potential or experience. But, um, you know, I don't think every tattoo school operates like that. I do think that there are some people that really mean well. And even with the laws that were created in the first place, um, 
the original group of tattooers uh, that like 1991 to 1993-ish um, included Don Deaton, Mary Jane Hockey, London Bellman, Lion King, Rio de Janeiro, Terry Tweed, and Dave Lum. And the state was going to license tattooing regardless. So they came in to help craft some of these laws. Mary Jane was married to an attorney at the time. And so he really got them to kind of help speak the language and get everything written on paper. And then the tattoo schools were kind of a default from all of those Oregon laws that wrapped all that career school stuff up. But, um, you know, they had the best of intentions. It wasn't really like they were trying to do anything negative, but you can't help the loopholes that pop up the people who try to take advantage of things when no one's looking. You can't prevent that from happening over a, you know, 25, 30 year period. Right. And that's why it's important that there's groups of people that are paying attention. Yeah. As you are. We're eagle eyes now. (laughs) (laughs) So you personally, is, is your interest in this, are you interested in actually being part of the education side? Or are you solely in this because you want to make sure that people are involved and that the right progress, uh, you know, the right progress is happening in the right directions? Um, well, initially, I think I wanted to get involved to, because there were a lot of people that you know had expressed like, well, yeah, I would have loved to, um, you know, apprentice under this person, but they couldn't, you know, legally they couldn't help me, and so I went to this tattoo school or whatever, um, and. Initially, I was like, well, maybe I can help change the law and we can create like a limited one-on-one apprenticeship thing. And even if it doesn't benefit me now, maybe it'll benefit someone later. Um, You know, and and Tama, who helped me write all of that school paperwork, you know, um, she felt similar. And and Jesse, who, um, you know, had moved here from another state who had to do all of the reciprocity paperwork. We all kind of were at a point where we were very frustrated with the way things were. but I think at this point, it's almost turned into like we're more of an advocacy group and a resource for tattooers. Um, and, and our goals are still forming and it's still evolving. But um, I think it's been really cool to provide that resource. I think our website is really great for people who are either about to take the test or moving from another state, or you're just trying to figure out your continuing education requirements. Um, We have a lot of links to the Oregon Health Department website because their website is difficult to manage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They only have a finite amount of resources. And so um, just having another platform where you can access these forms and have it broken down to you in a visual, you know, we're visual learners. We're not we don't uh don't do well with a lot of fine print so just kind of laying it out there in a way where tattooers can understand it we have a contact form where people can ask us questions and um i think just being able to get everybody's opinion sitting down with tattooers asking them what they want um you know has kind of evolved to where we are now so we're still working on it, but uh, I think even in, in the present, even if we can't change the law and change the tattoo schools, we can advocate for each other and provide resources for tattooers in this state. Well, I commend you for your efforts because it, it takes a, a lot of time and effort, I'm sure, away from your day-to-day work and everything else that you've got going on in life. So it really is admirable to see you, know, to see you really digging into this stuff because it is for the good of everybody. 
Well, it takes a village, and uh, we have That's lots what of they tattooers say. that are incredibly helpful. And thankfully, there's only board meetings three times a year, so uh, we can do it in stages. So, um, yeah, I, def- I would not be interested in doing this by myself. So I really appreciate everybody that's helped out and everybody who's volunteered to help us um, now and in the future. Is like everybody is valuable, so we really appreciate it. Yeah. And if anyone's interested, especially if you're in Oregon as a tattooer, uh, I'll make sure to include all the links to everything in the show notes so you can check that out if you're not already familiar with it. So what else? Is there anything else you want to you wanna touch on before we finish up? Oh, there's an interesting thing about... Um, so the piercing industry in Oregon has been very interesting because in around 2012 they rewrote all of their requirements and curriculum and they over-regulated themselves to the point of almost a complete standstill with the number of licenses that were being issued and now there are no new piercers. Mm -hmm. And so they started rewriting the laws in uh, 2016, 2017, going back in and editing because there's no growth in that industry, period. And they have two levels of licenses, I think, um, two or three. And in order to get to the last level, you have to be taught by somebody that's in that level. But none of those people are teachers, nor are they interested in teaching. So it creates a stalemate. And so... It's, it's also kind of a, an interesting example that, you know, we don't want to over-regulate ourselves to the point of um, stagnation, but at the same time, it would be nice to, you know, when the opportunity does come up to maybe dive back into the curriculum requirements or anything like that, like, you know, maybe make it a little bit more... Uh, not necessarily intensive because it all depends on where you're going to school. Um, just because you have a curriculum doesn't necessarily mean they're going to teach it. So it's kind of a surface fix. If we were going to increase curriculum hours, it's it's kind of anyone's lot, guess if yeah, it would work. Right. I'd say a lot of tattooers would probably love to close that bottleneck down to a complete... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's probably a lot of people listening and say, "Hey, that sounds pretty good. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should structure tattooing like that." But, but I think what you're saying is is the more practical thing to, to say that there's a middle ground between the two things, and, and there's probably the everyone could benefit. Piercing could open up, and then tattooing could close down a little bit, and that would probably be the best thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, you know when we first came to the state and and sat down and kind of told them our concerns. I think that it had been long enough since anybody had been present there that it was fairly shocking to them to hear that tattooers weren't happy with the astronomical growth in this industry, especially in the state, because I don't know if you can quantify it in other states like you can here, because we have these graphs, we have these pie charts and all this stuff that we watch at these meetings. And um, yeah, to just watch that little ticker just keep going up and up. And then if piercing, it just goes like that. <laughs> so yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, Dan Gilsdorf was very generous and let me chat his ear off for a little while asking about them, kind of the origin of some of these tattoo laws and, um, and with him and, and Mary Jane and Don giving us kind of their, their, uh, recollection of, of things that happened. I think it, it's been interesting to kind of glean from all of them that really the bottom line, the state actually does want to help us. 
um, but bureaucratically their hands are tied because they have laws they have to abide by. And we're learning a lot of this language and what this means, all of these legal terms. Um, but uh, it's not really their fault. They're ignorant to it. They just need supervision. So if we can be there to help them and if other people can show up and help their, whether it's like uh, some some people are mandated by um, county, some places are licensed by city. Um, so I don't know, I think it's it's helpful to know that they're not really out to get us, but it's just their ignorance to our needs yeah. is kind of you know, where, where I think people don't really see eye to eye. Right. Well, it sounds like their openness is a really great first step, at least to, Mm -hmm. to coming to an agreement between everybody too. Yeah. And I mean, in our trade, we have our health inspectors also inspect all of the, um, facility licenses for cosmetology as well. So they have their hands full and, you know, they, kind of say we do the best we can with what we have which means there aren't a lot of inspectors and they go around as much as they're able to but you know um i was kind of surprised to learn that even if a tattoo school is created and licensed that they're not put on a short list to be inspected i think Mm. that the state thinks that since they're in a licensed tattoo facility already generally um that it's a non-issue so it's not like I really think we need more inspectors. I think everybody in Oregon does a really great job of being compliant. But, um, you know, that is kind of an issue if you're creating so many licenses, yet um, there's no talk of how to actually regulate all of these people that are coming into this community. Yeah, you'd think there'd be more of a magnifying glass put on those the places that are spawning all these tattooers. Right. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think they need hard numbers, they need um, actual, like, logistical statistics if they're going to hire more inspectors, they have to have more complaints that warrant more inspectors, and apparently compared to cosmetology, we don't have that many fines, so I don't really think it's a big deal, which, I mean, it's great to know that there aren't that many complaints and that many fines. It's because that solid tattoo school education. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Olivia, thank you very much. Uh, keep us posted. Yes. There's always a yeah, place absolutely. on this show for you. And um, yeah, I'm super interested to hear what, what comes of all this and to see um, how it spreads out through the country or not. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think, but I'm, I'm sure it'll give me plenty to talk about for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a long, we have a lot of conversations about it still. So. I can imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I will definitely keep you posted. I, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I forgot to say. I'm sure I uh, stumbled over my words quite a bit. So no, you <laughs> just, crushed it. Uh, go, thanks. You're good. You're prepared. I, I had the easy part of this conversation. You had all the facts. <laughs> no, I have, I have a whole notebook that's just board beating notes and tattooer beating notes and just trying to sift through, <laughs> get the important stuff is... It's yeah, tricky. <laughs> well, I think this was a good introduction to to what you're what you're doing, what you guys are working on for everyone listening, and um, we can dig a little deeper next time around, whenever that may be. Great, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you again to Olivia Britz Wheat and Reform Oregon Tattooing. All of the links and info for them will be in the show notes, so please check them out if you're interested in learning more. 
And now an email I received from tattooer Courtney Castman, who is also an Oregon tattooer. Courtney wrote, I just wanted to reach out to say that I felt like I had a great experience going to tattoo school. You had mentioned that you hadn't heard of that, so I thought I'd pass along my opinion. It's funny because I actually haven't heard a personal story of a great apprenticeship in person when talking to other artists. Even here in a state where school has been a thing for some time, people still talk trash on it constantly, but when asked about how they learned, I've never heard a response of a great traditional apprenticeship with one solid person. I've heard the opposite, horror stories of people who fucked them over and taught them the wrong things. At best, I've heard of people begging and pushing for years and years until they got people here and there to teach them a few things. There's so many stories of people who just taught themselves by fucking up their friends. I never wanted to use my friends as guinea pigs and was very thankful that Oregon has a school option. I definitely wasn't perfect, but I felt I was taught all of the fundamentals that I needed to know in an environment where I could ask questions and was set up to succeed for the Oregon State test to get licensed. That said, you get out what you put in. I went to all the schools near me to interview and decided on the one that felt the most comfortable to me, even though it was a 45-minute drive away. I watched a lot of students before and after me in the process not ask a lot of questions and not stick around much once they started tattooing. We all make the decisions of where we are going to go and what we will get out of it. I could go on and on about my experience and the experiences I perceived others around me to be having during tattoo school. I just wanted to let you know that someone out there thought it was great because the people I learned from genuinely seemed to care about their students' success. I say that knowing there are plenty of people who went to that school that probably don't feel the same way. I feel lucky that I was too scared to tattoo when I was younger because waiting until I was over 30 made for better choices. I had worked enough places over the years to know what I wanted. People have disagreed with me, but I think tattoo school opens up opportunity for women, people of color, and queer folks in a way that just wasn't possible to get in when it's an old white man's world. People will end up getting weeded out based on tons of other reasons. One of the things I find the most interesting about this topic of people coming into the industry is how threatened so many artists seem to be. I can't think of any other industry where all the people in it seem to say there are too many of us, don't do it. If you tell a doctor that you're thinking about committing to a decade of school, they will probably tell you how hard it is, but they don't say, oh, there's way too many doctors, don't do it. It seems so insecure and sad, really. This is definitely the hardest job I've ever had, but that's why I wanted to do it. Thank you, Courtney, for the message. I think that gives us all some things that we can think about, and it's a perspective that hasn't been represented in this conversation yet. Someone who's actually attended the school and someone who may not have found their way into tattooing without the, these tattoo schools in Oregon. A real-life example of someone having a positive experience. So I'll leave you all now with that. And just a reminder, the show will be on break for the next couple weeks for the holidays, so... Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, or whatever you celebrate, whether you do or don't. Enjoy a couple weeks. And I'll be back right at the beginning of January. We'll get the second half of Season 3 of Books Closed, rocking as well as rolling. I will see you all then. 